Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Guys, I'm so excited to be with you and share the word. We're going to be in Judges today, which is not my favorite book, but it's definitely exciting. Let's just say that, okay? And so, but before we get there, I just wanted to share with you a couple of updates. Um, so we have our part five of our Year of the Bible Study came out on the 1st of July. So if you have not joined the Year of the Bible Study yet, I want to encourage you, go on the Bible app or go to Bible.com, go to plans and search up Year of the Bible part five, and you can jump in there. This is one of our sample devotionals we have a video that you can watch from our friends at the Bible Project, which goes in depth, like this particular one talking about the loyal love of God. We use this Christianese phrase, God's faithfulness. But really, it's beyond just faithfulness, he is loyally lo loving toward his kids. And so it breaks down this concept, and then we have a devotional and scripture reading that comes after that. Here's what's cool as well, is if you do this with your family or with a group of friends, or like us, a group of young adults, not that I'm a young adult anymore, we're doing it together, you can actually comment back and forth after the devotional and just talk about what God's telling you. It's so cool. It's one of the best ways to go about your day is like, what is God telling me today? And just be paying attention to that. And so being in the Word on a daily basis, it's a great tool to do that. And I encourage you guys, if you haven't done it yet, jump in. Listen, it's 12 parts all the way around. I don't have 12 fingers, otherwise I'd hold them up for you. But we've got 12 devotionals that will be out, take you through the entire Bible, high-level story that all points to Jesus, and bring you all the way around, all the way to February next year. And then you can start again at part one. And so if you haven't hit the other parts yet, don't worry. They'll still be there next year. All right. Another thing I wanted to bring your attention is as your missions pastor, I have the distinct privilege of hearing from our partners on the field. We have Natalie Marks and her husband, uh, Aubrey. They have been working inside of Eswatini for 20 years amongst unreached people groups. And yeah, clap for them. This is amazing. But here's what's cool. Right now, our church is sponsoring the distribution of Bibles digitally and in paper, food, blankets, clothing, and of course, warm hugs and smiles. This is Aubrey. He's got the best mullet you've ever seen. And they're hanging out. And these are very remote places where they have yet to hear the gospel. And you might say, why are they handing out blankets? Isn't it summertime? Well, actually in South Africa right now, it's cold, Eswatini as well. And so they're there and we helped sponsor this initiative, guys. So this is a part of your inheritance. People are knowing and hearing about Christ for the very first time because of you. And you didn't even have to go across the ocean. Isn't that awesome? Simultaneously, we got a report from the Blanchards in northern Mexico. They shared with us that more than 3,000 people gave their lives to the Lord in the last couple weekends. And they saw 300, over 300 people get miraculously healed, guys, in the name of Jesus. It's so super awesome that we get to partner with these guys. And this is part of your inheritance. Isn't it awesome? All right, before we get into the, the word, let's pray. Father, we want to say thank you. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and speak and do what it is that you love to do. Awaken our hearts in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I, going through judge, judges, I'm like, man, what do we want to talk about from here? 
This is probably not the kind of book you want to read all the way through with your kids who are, you know, young and, uh, you know, it's just a rough book. It's a little bit dangerous. There's a lot of ups and downs. There are a lot of cycles of disobedience and betrayal and a lot of rough characters in this book. And I titled this series, The Mighty Worrier, because we're going to talk about Gideon. And no, that's not a typo. I did write that on purpose. We'll get into it and you'll understand exactly why if you don't already know. But before we jump into the main text, which is going to be Judges chapter 6, I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and it says this, Now these things, talking about the things of old, took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they are written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the age has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. This was the number one temptation that continued to plague Israel as they entered the promised land and stayed there was idolatry, the idols and gods of the other nations that kept luring them away. And I think that's why Paul is telling the Corinthians who are also in a very uh, idolatrous situation in Corinth to be careful of idolatry. Why? Because it draws you away toward evil. I would venture to say that we live in a very idolatrous culture as well, wouldn't you say? It's one of the reasons that we, that we teach on giving every week is because it is so common in our culture to idolize wealth, fame. We collect it so that we can then collect power and influence. What we think is power and what we think is influence is actually not real power or influence. But I want to caution you as we dive into Gideon's story to be careful not to think of yourself as like, I'm good. This isn't going to touch me. I have no issues. I'm close with God. I don't have to worry about idols in my life. You might want to be careful because that very spirit of pride is the thing that actually bites most servants of Christ when they're least expected. These things happen to them as an example. You know, Proverbs says this, when a fool is punished, the prudent learn wisdom. You guys ever heard that proverb? In other words, if you look at the actions and the outcome of the way of life of someone who is foolish, okay, and watch what happens as a consequence of their decision making, you will learn wisdom as well. And that's why we're gonna look at this book here, is so that we can learn wisdom and gain understanding and insight. 
The book of Judges contains a very interesting pattern. If you haven't read it, uh, it's 21 chapters all the way through. There are 12 judges here as well. And there's a pattern that's a four-stage pattern that occurs. And it looks like this. The people are first lured away. They're lured away by the people in the land that they let stay there that God actually asked them to push out of the land and to destroy. Now, you might say, well, that's a terrible thing. I can't believe God would ask the Israelites to go in and kill these people. But you need to remember that they were worshiping gods that at times they thought required not only sacrifice but child sacrifice. They had become so debased in their thinking that they were doing things that should not be done. Do you follow what I'm saying? And God knew you can't just be living right alongside of this kind of culture and have it have no effect or influence on the men, women, and children of Israel. It was time. Their evil was full. It was time for God to push them out and to take their land and to destroy the evil culture altogether. We have to remember when we're looking at stories like this to keep the big picture in mind, the big picture of what God sees and what God is doing, and not to isolate this into one statement about God's character. So the people are lured away, forsaking God and trading him for false gods, the gods of the people, sacrificing and making sacrifices, worshiping at the Asherah poles, and God in return handed them over to be oppressed by an enemy. The oppression of the enemy would last a few years to 40 years. And then they would finally cry out to the Lord again. And he would listen and he would send a rescuer. So that's the pattern. They would be lured away. They would be oppressed. Then they would cry out when they were in difficulty and then God would rescue them. That never happens to us, right? <laughs> Where we think, yo, God, I got this. We go our own way, only to realize it's a pit of despair. And then we cry out, God, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. And then he pulls us out again. Thank God we have a God who's merciful and kind, right? And here's the thing, though. It's hard to discern if the people of Israel were genuinely wanting to return to the Lord or if the, the discomfort of their situation was just so intense that that caused them to turn back to God. It could appear that at times it was just to get out of trouble, they would call to the Lord. Because as soon as things were going okay again, they would forget him and go after other gods again. Now this pattern occurs seven times in the book of Judges alone, over a 200-year period. Isn't that amazing? You'd think there'd be somebody in the group saying, hey, hold, wait a second. I kind of, I feel like we've been down this road before. I don't know if we should go this way. But here's the problem. The scripture says, it actually appears four times in this book, that there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Does this sound familiar to you? at all it sounds really familiar to me like the story we're living right now 
Now these judges, they weren't judges in the traditional sense of like upholding the law and interpreting the law. And they, they were actually more like troubleshooters. That's actually what the original word means. They're problem solvers. God would raise them up to solve a problem. Kind of like wives when you're, you know, unpacking your emotions and your problem solver comes along to solve all of your issues and fix everything that ails you in five seconds while watching TV and scrolling on the phone. We all need troubleshooters and problem solvers like that. So there were 12 judges, and the one we're going to look at is Gideon. He was a judge who was raised up, and he was a man of great courage. Just kidding. That's why we call him the mighty warrior. You see, they were back in their pattern again. They had been lured away. Judges 6.1 says this, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And then the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. The Midianites were a group of bad people and they were oppressing Israel. In fact, they were doing, th they would ride in as throngs on their chariots and horses and they would trample down all the grain and rip out all the harvest and steal all the food. So the Israelites literally had no food. And every time they tried to do something and it started to grow, here would come the Midianites and it was demoralizing. And can you imagine seven years of that? Just being crushed over and over and over again. And so rightly so, they were pretty discouraged. But I want to remind you about that verse that says there was no king and everyone did what was right in their own sight. You see, that's actually anarchy. That's what that is. It's when the, a group of people decide we're not going to submit to any form of structure or authority at all. We're going to do it our way. They're singing Frank Sinatra and it's pumped on their stereo, and they're saying, I'm going to do it my way, my way. And for those of you who are young and don't listen to Frank Sinatra, you can look it up later. It's a song. It's great. Listen, without high, they, they were a people who, who wanted have, to have nothing to do with authority. Anarchy is described as this, a state of disorder due to absence or non-recognition of authority. Did the people of Israel have a king? Yes, God himself wanted to be their king. That's what he said. But the people did not recognize him as king. Does it sound familiar? You see, this idea of anarchy or we don't need any authority is actually driven by a belief, and I believe it was driven here by a belief, is I know what's best for myself and the highest place of freedom for a human being is to have no rules or guidelines at all. That's a belief that's underneath this kind of activity. So we continue reading in Judges chapter 6, 6, it says this, And Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. And Judges 6, 10, and I, say to, and I said to you, I am the Lord your God. So here's the thing. God actually, before he even talked to Gideon, you want to see something interesting, he actually sent a prophet to the land, to the Israelites, to say, hey, 
I am the Lord your God. It's me. I'm your Lord. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. He sent a prophet to them to tell them exactly why they were where they were, and they're still clueless. Does that sound familiar? This is going to be an encouraging message, maybe. <laughs> now I'm going to read a large chunk of scripture to catch you up on the story here. And it says this, starting in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Orphra, Ophra, which belongs to, the, to Joash the Abizrite. While his son Gideon was beating out wine or wheat in a wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Basically, I'm a weakling. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come and bring out my present and set it before you. And the angel of the Lord said, I will stay until you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and he brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. And fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. Well, there you go, Gideon. Good job. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. And to this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abizrites. And that night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord 
your God, on top of the stronghold there, with the stones laid in due order. Then take the second bowl and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you have cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. Gideon, what a man. I love it. He's just going to go do a little task and he takes ten guys with him because he's freaked out, scared of the people who are around him. But before we critique him super harshly, I want you to think about it. Sometimes we're too scared to even have a real basic conflict, so we go vent it on social media. <laughs> or we send an anonymous letter hoping to correct someone that we're too scared to correct face to face. So guys, we struggle with this same thing. It's a spirit of cowardice. Can I tell you a secret? Sometimes I'm afraid to do what's right. Sometimes I lack courage to do what is right. To say what is right, and that's in part because our culture is so polarized right now that if you take a stand for anything, you get destroyed. Or at least you think you get destroyed. I lack courage sometimes. I'm confessing that to you. Don't tell anybody else. Don't tell my wife that. And you do as well at times, I'm sure. None of us are impervious or immovable by this wave of cowardice that can come upon us at times. Especially when our culture looks like the big bad Midianites. So here's the thing. God said something to Gideon that was not in line with who Gideon was. He said this, the Lord is with you, O man of valor, mighty man of valor. Gideon was beating seeds out of grain pods inside of a wine press, hiding out. I don't know if I would consider that to be a courageous act. And he even confesses. He says, if, this, if I'm this guy and, and you want me to save Israel, then where's your mighty miracles and why have you abandoned us? You see, Gideon was in a place of cowardice and he didn't even realize why they were being oppressed by the Midianites, even though a prophet had come and told the land, the people of Israel, why they were being oppressed. You see, God says things as though they should be. Do you understand what I mean? When God speaks, he always speaks the truth. So do you think he was just trying to pump Gideon up and try to get him excited? No. He was calling him forward because that's who he was and who he was meant to be. See, God spoke things as they should be, not as they actually were in the moment. Gideon became full of strength when he started to agree with what God said. 
Judges 6, 14 and 15 says this, and then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Go in this might of yours. What might? Might you be mistaken? Gideon was still in cowardice and the Lord is telling him, go in this might of yours. And I think that the application point for us is this, is that Gideon was very weak. And God said, that's okay, take that little tiny bit of strength you do have and go. Why? Because I am with you. I am with you. You see, Gideon was sitting there wallowing in self-pity while God's speaking the truth over his life. And then he complains some more, and God speaks the truth over his life and says, go, you can do it. I'm going to be with you. Oswald Chambers says this, there is no worse, no sin is worse than the sin of self-pity because it obliterates God and it puts self-interest on the throne. What does that mean? Oswald Chambers, he's basically saying, if you are going to be in self-pity, you are basically saying, God, you are incapable i got to take care of myself, and I don't know if I can do it. But I think what the Lord wants to call you forward to, friends, is courage that God is still the God who can do impossible things. You are not meant to do it by yourself. You are meant to allow him to come in and do it with you. Verse 16, the Lord says, I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. So this warrior became a warrior. And I was teaching one time, and I had a Kiwi guy in the class, and I had everybody get up one by one and shout, I am a warrior. And because of his accent, he got up and he said, I am a warrior. I said, no, you're not a warrior, you're a warrior. But he just couldn't figure it out. But God knows his heart, you know. Gideon be went from being a warrior to being a warrior when he listened to what God said. Judges 6.34 says this, the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Friends, does anybody need courage in here? I want you to remember that our friends out there in the culture who don't know Jesus yet are not our enemies. They're just victims of our enemy. You understand? That's what Pastor Jim is always saying, and, and I agree with him 100%. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but I'll tell you what, it will take courage to stand up and do what is right and say what is right and walk righteously before Christ and exalt him and share his name if you have cowardice, you're going to need courage to do those things in the face of the world we live in today. Amen? The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and a coward, a former coward, went and rallied 30,000 troops. How did he do that? In fact, it's so funny because I don't know if God was just expecting him to kind of like not rally a lot of people, but he's like, hey, the people who are with you is too many. Lest Israel win and think that it was them who did it. 
instead of me. So he whittles the army down to 300 men. I wonder if that's what God was expecting of Gideon and Gideon just like blew his doors off. I don't know. It's just speculation, but it's kind of cool to think about. He went and rallied all these men and then God whittled them down to 300 and he still said yes. You see, the voice of the Lord is the difference maker in Gideon's life and it's the difference maker in your life as well. And I don't know if it's always been like this, but it feels like right now in Christianity, we're just collecting voices that tickle our ears and tell us what we want to hear. It's just so easy today. We can turn on the radio. We can stream a podcast. We can go on YouTube. We can go on any social media channel. We can hop churches from place to place to just hear what we want to hear. But the question is, are you pursuing hearing all of those voices instead of hearing the voice of God for yourself? I don't think Gideon would have been as strong or courageous as he turned out to be if it was his father who said, hey man, you're a mighty warrior, okay? I know it's been tough. I know your brothers pick on you. I know you're little. I know you're short. your sword's really short and not very sharp. But look, you're a mighty warrior. And just like try to pump him up and like, yeah, no. But I'll tell you what did make the difference. It was hearing the voice of God for himself. And what I want to call you to today is in a culture that has lures out for us everywhere. But not only that, inside of Christian circles, we can be lured away to idolizing certain types of teaching, things that agree with our theology and never challenge us or just make us feel better when we're kind of feeling bad, like almost like we're doing some type of spiritual drug to just not feel bad today. Hear what I'm saying. It's not wrong to go be encouraged and to encourage one another, but where is the voice of the Lord in your life today? Where was it yesterday? Man, he wants to be near you. He wants you to draw near to him. He wants you to tell him your, your greatest fears and your greatest hopes and dreams. Gideon's strength lay in the word he received from God. And so here's the question that we can ask ourselves. When we're facing cowardice, when we notice that cowardice is inside of us, we can ask ourselves, what did God say? And if you don't know, stop and ask God. One of the things I was taught early on in my walk with Jesus is when someone would come to me and they'd say, hey man, I need some advice or I'm really struggling, I would always have to ask first, what has God told you about this? Now, that's not a cop-out, but what is that? It's recognizing, I don't have the solution for you. God does. Have you talked to him first? That might be a good idea if we start there. God himself wants to speak directly into your past, into your successes, into your failure, into your career path, into your finances. He wants to speak into your struggling marriage, your deteriorated relationship with your son or daughter or the one who is far away. He wants to speak into your unhealthy relationship with food, alcohol, pornography, or other vices. God wants to speak into your identity, church. He wants to tell you who you are because the culture, maybe even yourself, maybe even your family has told you who you are not, and you have started to believe it. 
God wants to speak into your identity today. God wants to speak to your attachment and your worship of freedom itself. You can't find your life if you don't lose it in Jesus. And coming up on 4th of July weekend, I thought, why not put that one in there as well? We worship our freedom to the point that it costs us because we say, nobody's going to control me, not even God. That's where that attitude goes when it's taken to an extreme. And the enemy, I'll tell you what, if you're lean in a certain way, but you're not quite there, he loves to come and give you that extra push to push you all the way. But you know what Ecclesiastes says? It says that a man who fears God will hold on to one and not let go of the other, and they will avoid extremes. A person who fears God, what does that mean? It means that the voice of God is paramount and the loudest and the most authoritative in your life. He's the first person you seek when you need advice. He's the first person you go to to tell your dreams, your hopes, and your fears because God wants to speak into those things. God wants to speak into our attachment to comfort. He wants to speak into our self-willed pride. He wants to speak into our judging nature, and he wants to speak to our weaknesses and insecurities. God wants to speak about and to your strengths. He wants to speak to and dismantle your doubt. He wants to speak to and craft your future, your belonging, your purpose, your relationships. God wants to speak into every area that touches your life. The question today is, are we listening? Are we listening? You see, Gideon went on to do crazy things. He conquered enemies. The 300 routed an army of over 120,000 men. It's incredible. It was by the Spirit of God. This coward who became a warrior was strengthened because of the word he received from the mouth of the Lord. Now, here's the truth we need to stir up our hunger for hearing God. We need to stir up our hunger as a church to love him and to put him first, to be in his word and abide in him and let his word abide in us so that we can bear fruit in this generation. Amen? We need that. But if our goal is to worship comfort and avoid conflict and try not to be critiqued by anybody, then you automatically give up on doing anything that is of any eternal value at all. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, guys... I'm speaking this to myself. I just want to let you know as well. And I have seen courage on display in this church, but I believe God wants to release more. And it is going to be a work of the Spirit. It's not going to be a work of just willpower. As we dive into the Scripture and we know God's character, it builds our trust and our faith in Him to see that He is so loyal to us when we never, ever deserved it just like he was loyal to Gideon. What did Gideon do to deserve that from God? Nothing. But Gideon still had to do his part and say yes, and then his feet had to also say yes. God wants to use you today. He wants to use you to speak a word of power to someone else to see a miraculous healing come about, to see someone who's been far off for decades come to know Jesus again or maybe for the first time. He wants to see you breaking out in a time of prayer over somebody at Walgreens. He wants to see you stopping what you're doing and being like, oh, God's over here doing something. 
I got to get over there and be with him in that. You follow what I'm saying? God wants to use you in that. He wants to increase your courage today. Sadly, Gideon's story doesn't turn out so well. He lives to be a good old age of, I don't even, it actually doesn't say, he just says a good old age, whatever that is. But he has 70 sons. But unfortunately, even when invited to rule over Israel, he said, no, I will not do it. Your, your king is in heaven. Your king is the Lord. Great word from him. But then immediately, the very next thing he does is he collects gold and builds an ephod, which eventually becomes an idol and a snare to him, his family, and the people of Israel once again. He was courageous, but he lost wisdom. And Judges doesn't turn out much better. If you look at the seven cycles, over and over and over again, they lured away, oppressed, cry out, delivered again and again and again. And the, the book of Judges ends with this. It says, again, there was no king in those days, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Let this never be said of us. By the grace of God, may this never be said of us. Proclaim this among the nations. Consecrate for war. Stir up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near and let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears and let the weak say, I am a warrior. Paul also said, when I am weak, then I am strong. When the hearts of the disciples were fainting inside the boat that was about to be capsized and Jesus spoke to the storm and spoke to the situation, they were astonished and filled with awe and peace. Maybe you need God to still a storm in your life today. I will tell you this, it says in Numbers 23, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will, it, will he not fulfill it? The challenge for us today from watching Gideon's life is will you recognize the lack of strength you have and then turn to Jesus anyway? Letting him speak the truth into your life. We are not designed to be self-directed human beings self-determined, self-directed. We are designed to delight in relationship with God and fulfill his purposes on the earth for his glory and for his honor. So I just wanna ask you if you take a moment and bow your heads with me. If you're in a place where you know there's some changes you need to make that are gonna require some courage, some reliance on the Lord like you've never known before. I just want you to slip your hand up real quick. Hands going up all over the place. Stick them up real high. Heads are bowed. Nobody's looking around. 
Now just hold your hands out in front of you at your lap like you're receiving. Let's receive from the Lord today. God, thank you that you give us power, wisdom. You give us comfort. You give it whatever it is that we need from you. You give it to us. We receive now boldness and courage in the spirit to do the things that we know you want and desire us to do. The hard stuff, the conflict, the changes, whatever it might be, Father, we want to be people who are set apart for your glory. So do your work in us. Do your work in our family here. And do your work through us, God. We want to be a place and a people that are united for one thing, and that's to see you exalted everywhere we go. We love you, Jesus. We receive, pray for every broken heart, broken family, broken relationship in this place. Every courage, spirit of courage that has been broken over the years, we say strengthen in Jesus' name. Be strengthened in the power of the Holy Spirit today. While your heads are bowed, I just wanna give a chance for the gospel. If, you, if you've never given your life to Jesus, say, I'm gonna follow you, be the Lord of my life. I want to ask you as well that you would just slip your hand up. If you want to say, Jesus, I want to follow you today. Thank you. Slip it up high so I can see it. Awesome. And church, let's pray this prayer together. And if you're putting your hand up and you want to give your life to the Lord for the first time today, pray this prayer out loud with the rest of us. Thank you, Jesus that even while I was a sinner, you died for me to set me free. You rose from the dead and destroyed the power of sin and death. I will follow you today and by the grace of the Holy Spirit, I will follow you forever. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. If you get a chance, read Judges all the way through. Have a glass of water with you. And just ask the Lord to teach you. It's such a rich book. So, guys, have an amazing weekend. I want to just stand up. Let me pray you guys out of here. You're going to have an amazing weekend with friends and family, celebrating the nation that God has given us. Jesus, thanks for this family. I pray that you'd bless them, that you'd multiply them, that you'd increase them, that you'd prosper them, and that they would have so much fun with you and with their friends and family this weekend. Would you be exalted in every household that's connected with this place? In Jesus' name, amen.